everybody. This is Jamie. And this is Paul. And welcome to another episode of Criminally Disturbed. Welcome back. Yes, welcome back. I'm hoping that y'all can hear me better now. Um, as my husband says, we tinkered with our sound we this did. week. We sure did. We did some tinkering. Yeah, because we noticed when we would go back and listen, he sounded a lot better than I did. I sounded like I was recording in a totally different state. (laughs) (laughs) And he is tickled by that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. she sounded like she was uh, like across the room uh, away from her mic, but... um, I really wasn't. Right, and uh, yeah. So now uh, she is sitting right beside me. Yes, and if y'all hear any jingle bells in the background, that is our cat prancing around the house. Uh, Anyway, so we have got a doozy for you this week. She is going to tell us the story of Blanche Monnier. But first, let's get into the different platforms that we're on now. So, yes, we do need to mention those platforms that... Maybe you might have another platform that you're not using that we are on that you could start using. Right. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Google Podcasts. Google Podcast, Podcast Addict. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. And also for our faithful listeners who we love and appreciate. All right. Pop a top again. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyways, uh, for our faithful, wonderful listeners who keep coming back, if you will, whichever platform you listen to us on, if you would please give us a rating so that way other people would know to maybe I might want to listen to them idiots also. That's right. And uh, we really want to hear some feedback from you guys. Yes. Um, we want to kind of know do I. Not tell a good story? Does Jamie not tell a good story? Do we not both tell a good story? Do we not interact? We would like to hear from you guys. So, And also, if you have any ideas of, of stories or anything in particular that you want to hear, please, let us know. Yes, and you can email us at cdisturbedpodcast at gmail.com. And we are also on Facebook under Criminally Disturbed, you can send us a message there. Please do so. We yes, would please. really like to hear from you guys. Let us know how we can do better to entertain you. And that's it. Yeah. And that's I guess that takes care of all the... Business. Business. Okay. Business. All right. So let's get to Blanche Monnier. And this story took place in France. I'm just going to sit back and drink. Okay. Okay. The story begins in 1901 with a headline in the French newspapers. The headline was a woman held captive for 25 years. This headline was accompanied by a horrific image of Blanche Monnier on her arrival at a hospital. Mm. Of course, seeing the picture and the headline, the public was outraged because apparently Blanche had suffered at the hands of her own family. Like all of them? Yeah, well, at this point when this happened, there was only two left. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. The story that emerged was that Blanche was a beautiful and happy young woman who was 25. She had fallen in love with a lawyer several years older than her. 
But Blanche's mother would not accept the match because the lawyer was penniless and he was a Protestant. What? What? He was a Protestant. Okay. I I know. But he was also penniless? He was penniless, but he was a lawyer. Maybe they don't make as much as... Maybe they didn't make as much then as they do now. But why would that make a difference? Because Blanche's mother was a bitch. Oh, oh, oh. And you're going to find out. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Whereas the Moniers were of noble lineage and Catholic. Oh, I see. Yes. To end the engagement between Blanche and the lawyer, Blanche's mother imprisoned her in a room and pretended to friends and family that she had disappeared. <laughs> that was a story that came out in the newspapers. And that she had disappeared. That she had disappeared. Everything I just said, she was locked in a room because of the lawyer for 25 years and her mother disapproved. And I'm glad that I started researching this story because that's what I believed it was because mm-hmm. there was a lot of little articles mm-hmm. that said that. I see. But I found something else. Okay. That was not the real story. Oh, it never is. Yeah, the real story was actually worse. It always is. And here it is. It is not known if the lawyer actually existed in spite of the headlines. And also, in spite of the headlines, it's doubted that Blanche was actually held against her will. By? Her family. All The of family them? is still involved. <laughs> yeah. The real story that emerged is complicated. What happened to Blanche was the kind of wrongdoing that comes when people, many dozens of people, turn a blind eye or reject responsibility. Louise de Marconnet, I forgot to look up that word to see how to pronounce it, but... Let me see. What is it? De Marconnet. That looks like it to me. Okay. Was born in Poitiers, I did look up that word, mm-hmm. in 1825. She was the daughter of a stockbroker. At 22, she married Charles Monnier, who was an academic who would become the dean of the University of Poitiers. They had two children, mm-hmm. a son, Marcel, who was born in 1848. Marcel. And their daughter, Blanche, who was born a year later. Blanche. Is it Blanche? It's Blanche. Okay. Sorry, Blanche. The family was well off. They oh, owned... With a name like that? Absolutely. <laughs> they owned a large townhouse in Poitiers, a home in the countryside, and several other properties that were rented out. So they owned rental property, rental real estate back mm-hmm. in, the, in the early 1900s? Yes. Yeah. Louise Monnier was a difficult woman to live with. She was described as nervous highly strung, and had poor personal hygiene. Who is this? The mother, Louise Monnier. She had poor personal hygiene, but they're, like, rich and powerful. and I know. Did they own a bathtub? I'm sure they did. Well, they had to. They had to. Did she know how to use it? The hell? I don't know. The hell? The story is... A psychologist didn't visit with her. Maybe she was just too busy being a bitch. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. A maid said that Madame Monnier wore the same dirty dress every day. And she would complain that her children ate too much and ordered 
that they be served bread that was intended for the dogs. So old moldy bread. Yes. Louise domineered her husband and son, but she had her hands full with Blanche. Blanche was rebellious, and she would challenge her mother's rule. The two clashed frequently, with the arguments increasing in frequency as Blanche grew into a young woman. Blanche was said to have had a happy childhood. Mm -hmm. As she grew older, she became more interested in religion. For a time, she studied at the Christian Union and wanted to become a nun. Oh. Yeah. During this period, she began to have mystical experiences or religious visions. I don't know. I don't know if she needs to be a nun or in a psychiatric hospital. Well... This caused her to crave solitude, and she spent more and more time in her room. She would refuse to eat, and they thought maybe it was because of religious fasting. But doing that, she actually developed anorexia. Mm, So she took it a little bit too far. She did. Yeah. Where's your point at? A little too far. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) I was pointing at you. In 1870, <laughs> I thought she was pointing like Kyle was not, coming through. I am not editing this out, so there you go. Okay. In 1872, at the age of 23, Blanche fell ill with a fever. Scarlet fever? It didn't say. It Swamp didn't. fever? It, it didn't say. Okay. The illness eventually passed. Gavin. What was the the early 1900s fever that was uh, kind of like COVID? Early uh, the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu. Don't know. Okay. I want more details. Though the illness eventually passed, she never really returned to the world after this point. Like she left the world? <laughs> like she's in space? Like she didn't return to society. Oh, I see. Yeah. It was clear that she was suffering from serious mental health issues. She refused to wear clothes in the house. She would stand naked at the window of her bedroom, which the window of her bedroom faced the street. <laughs> yeah. So this led her parents to having a board put over her bedroom window. So this is uh, the beginning of the red light district. Yes. I got you. Yeah. Marcel, her brother, was a respectable and responsible member of society. He studied law at the University of Poitiers, gaining a doctorate of law, and then he worked in local government. He married a Spanish woman who was of noble birth, and they had a daughter, Marie Dolores. As it should have been, I have spoken. <laughs> they ended up living across the street from his family home. Well, yeah, so he can spy on that girl standing in the window. That's his sister. Oh. But anyways, they probably lived there because his family owned that home across the street. Well, you know, it is said that nobility and stuff they had some interactions with you know these two didn't have interactions but just wait i got a good one for you and it's fixing to be here in about 15.2 seconds counting it down (laughs) 
his education, work, and family marks him out as a decent, if unremarkable man. He was described by some people as intelligent and having high moral standing, mm-hmm. and others described him as weak-willed and stupid. Okay, so that is completely yeah. opposite of one another? Right. Yeah. His inability or unwillingness to stand up to his mother was evident. I mean, come on. You know, she's noble, his mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but she, so is his wife. She's not scared of shit because she's not bathing. You know what I'm saying? So she's not scared of shit other than water. But uh, I'm just saying, you know, standing up to your mother when she's not scared of shit, except for water. Uh-huh. Uh, what is she, the Wicked Witch of the West? But anyway. Um, no, she probably bathed. That's not very uncommon. Right. So... I'm just saying, not okay. standing up to your mother is not something that is uncommon. Right. So. Okay, so this was a little bit longer than 15.2 seconds, but here we go. He was also a cropophiliac. Okay, you're going to have to educate me. It's an obsessive interest in feces, especially the use of feces for sexual excitement. Oh, shit. So this dude likes to get shit on. Shit on, watch people shit. Oh, hell. Yeah, I had to look the word up, and that's what it said. Either be shit on, play with shit, watch people shit. And I was just like, ugh, this is a thing. That's some fucked up shit. Literally. Yeah. His former housemate said that Marcel used a bedpan rather than using the toilet. Oh, he's not going to let that get away. And that one time he carried a full bedpan into the living room where his wife and daughter were sitting and closed the windows and the doors so that they could better appreciate the smell. Man, come on. If I was his wife, I'd be like, you got to go back across the street to your damn mama. Go to that crazy-ass sister that you got over there, too. Right. She might enjoy that shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. That's Ugh. gross. Oh, yeah. After Blanche fell ill, she was examined by family doctor Guerino. Okay. His diagnosis was that she was incurably mad. Okay, so incurably mad does not sound like a clinical term. Well, it probably was. I mean, think this is the late 1800s. I mean, yeah. I I mean, I guess so. Yeah. So maybe that's how they diagnosed it? (laughs) Clinically mad. Like she's angry all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So her parents are faced with this diagnosis, and it's not really, it wasn't really understood why they decided to keep her at home and not Mm -hmm. send her to a hospital. One of the things was that there was a stigma attached to a family member having a mental illness, meaning like, yeah. I guess society would look down on you. Sure. And also, the asylums at that time did not have great reputations. Yeah. Well, I mean, they still don't. If you... Oh, that's true. Yeah, the asylums, if it's named asylum, typically they don't have, even today, they don't have a good reputation. You know, time has progressed. They've gotten right. away from the word asylum. That's true, because I was fixing to say, are there really any asylums? Yeah, exactly. When Blanche first fell ill, the Moniers hired a nurse by the name of Marie Fizzy. She was a devoted carer, and she was the only person that could calm Blanche. 
because as of now, Blanche would soil herself, rip her clothes off, throw things. She would have violent rages. Because mm. so that, that she's mad. Because she's mad. Mm-hmm. So for 20 years, Marie cared for Blanche. Marie would bathe Blanche and make sure that her room was clean. And she would also sleep in the room of Blanche. Mm-hmm. But after Marie's death in 1896, Blanche's condition deteriorated. Well, I was going to say, so she slept in the same room with her. Right. She cleaned up her room and mm-hmm. also like this. I mean, I don't know that I would want to sleep in the same room as this woman and, you know, get hit in the face in the middle of the night with some shit or something, you know? But some, if you think about it, some people were, like, born to be caregivers. Like, this is what they do, yeah. no matter what. All right. Louise seemed to have washed her hands of Blanche by this point. Excuse me, Blanche. You say Blanche, and I, my mind immediately goes to the Golden, to the Golden Girls. Girls. And yes. I think that's why I keep saying Blanche. Yeah, it's easy f- to say that when it's spelled that right. way, you know. Uh, but every time that you say Blanche, I think of Rue McClanahan. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's not who she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Marcel said that after his father's death, And in spite of him constantly protesting that Louise still would not put Blanche in a hospital. Marcel visited his sister regularly, almost on a daily basis, and he would go to her room and read to her from newspapers and magazines. Instead of replacing Marie with another nurse, Louise just hired maids. Mm -hmm. And of course, maids are not trained or capable of managing a person with a mental illness. So many would leave after a very short time. Louise would refuse clean nightshirts and bed sheets. She said that Blanche, Blanche would only rip them or get them dirty. So now Louise is not providing basic care or necessities yeah. that Blanche needs. So she's writing her off, mm-hmm. sounds like. It got to where Louise didn't actively participate in Blanche's care, and it was thought that she had actually stopped visiting her daughter. Just all, just just stopped seeing her altogether. Just stopped altogether. Louise ended up having declining health, and it was believed that this was the catalyst for Blanche's discovery. So six weeks prior to the police intervention, Mm Louise became ill to the point where she could no longer give orders to her staff. So nobody stepped up to take over the role of the care of Blanche. Mm. In May of 1901, an anonymous letter was delivered to the Paris Attorney General. It said that a woman was being held captive by her mother, half-starved and in filthy conditions, and that she had been there for 25 years. Wow. Police in Poitiers were alerted and went immediately to Louise's house and demanded to see Blanche. At first, Louise gave them some resistance, but then she finally pointed them to Blanche's room. So they get in there, they open the door, and the first thing that hit them was the smell. Oh, I imagine. It smelled of feces and rotting meat. And what? Oh, man, that is... Yeah. Oof. And the room was dark because remember that her parents had put a board over her window. Right. So, But through the darkness, they could see her. She was lying on a straw mattress on the floor. She was skeletal. All she had was a dirty bed sheet. Mm. Her hair had grown down to her thighs. 
and her toenails and fingernails were so long that they had curved. Oh, that's nasty. She was surrounded by a crust of old food, feces, insects, and rats. So there was just rats and insects just running around in this room. And that was uh, that was her pets. It probably was. Yeah, she probably done named them. Right? Mm-hmm. She was taken to a hospital, and although she was dirty and painfully thin, she only weighed 55 pounds. 55 pounds. 55 pounds. That The hospital found that there was no immediate physical danger to her life. And by now, Blanche is 52 years old. No immediate danger to her life? Meaning she wasn't in, in, I guess, so bad off that she could die at any moment. She was skeletal and weighed 55 pounds. Right. Louise and Marcel were arrested and charged with offenses relating to Blanche's imprisonment. Just two weeks after being arrested, Louise died. Good. Yeah, I'm like, good. I'm glad she did. But also, I'm kind of like, you know, she needed to be put in a room with, well, I would say dirty clothes. But hell, we said at the beginning, she didn't like to change her dresses. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess that really wouldn't be. And and I just got this song that's playing over and over in my head. Ding dong, the witch is dead. (laughs) Witch, oh, witch, the wicked witch. That's right. When she died, she didn't have any remorse for what she had done. And, oh, uh, yeah, I know. And Oof. she couldn't understand why the people were upset about the treatment of Blanche. She would say all this fuss for nothing. For for nothing, like for nothing. she's nothing. I mean, apparently near the end, Blanche was nothing to her. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like she was nothing. It sounds like she was an inconvenience even when right. she was you know, giving her the, the care and, mm-hmm. and the necessities that she needed and things. She was an inconvenience even at that time. So she just, at one point, just said, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm not paying for this. I'm not doing this anymore. So, you know, fuck that lady. Well, if you think about it, the care that she was receiving probably was because of one, because of her father. Yeah. And then, because, you know, her father died before Mary died. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I know, yeah. but, but still, I mean, damn. Right. Look, there are women out there that take care of, of special needs children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those women that do this on a day-in, day-out basis are heroes mm-hmm. to those children. They provide those children with the necessities that they need mm-hmm. and the love and the care and, you know, the sense of being that those children desperately need, even when it's a debilitating right. type scenario, they still love them. This woman here is the poster child of the complete opposite. Yeah, I agree. So, fuck her. In October of 1901, Marcel stood trial for complicity to violence. His trial lasted for five days. He was found guilty and sentenced to 15 months in prison. He immediately appealed. His lawyers argued that as legal guardian and owner of the house, it was Louise who was responsible for Blanche's condition, Mm -hmm. not Marcel, Mm -hmm. and that he was not required under law to intervene. The appeal was successful, and Marcel was freed in November of 1901. I kind of agree with that, Mm -hmm. but at some point, do you have... I don't know. Do you have an obligation as a? He's a sibling, right? Do you have an obligation? 
Well, it said that at the time there wasn't a good Samaritan law in France. Right. So I guess that kind of takes away his obligation. But even still, I mean, that's your sister. You're right. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't probably brought up by, you know, obviously his mother Mm -hmm. to learn to do things like that for people, even your family. Well, from the sounds of it, the way he was brought up is just you didn't go against your mother, period. Right. Even though he did plead with her at times to put Blanche in an asylum, mm-hmm. she still wouldn't do it. You got to wonder, would you step in? These days, yeah. But, I mean, we also got to think about the time that it was then. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Marcel sold the various properties that he had inherited from his mother and moved away to the coast. Blanche remained in a psychiatric hospital for the rest of her life. Though she was well cared for, she continued to suffer from her mental illnesses. Not an asylum, in a psychiatric hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was eventually diagnosed with anorexia, schizophrenia, exhibitionism, and she also had the coprophilia. <laughs> Both Blanche and Marcel died in 1913. Oh, they died in the same year. They did. Mm. Well, she was dealing with a lot, you know, and um, it sounds like her family just did not want to deal with her. Mm-hmm. It's just what it sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. So, wow, that is an unfortunate situation that she was in, mm-hmm. you know, born into that kind of a family. Right. Noble uh, by name, I guess, or title, whatever it is. And she never stood a chance. No. And that's the story of Blanche Monnier. Well, that was nasty. I told you it was different from the stories sure that is. you've seen. Yeah, it sure is. And it's good to mix it up. Right. I've got one that's also different than what we've normally been doing. Okay. Yeah. We'll get that recorded also mm-hmm. and get uh, both of these uploaded as soon as possible. Okay. So, stay tuned for those, and and definitely, like we said at the beginning, uh, we want to hear from you guys. Yes, we do. And even just, you know, your own stories Mm -hmm. of ghosts, beastlies. Yeah, (laughs) beastlies. Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't think of a name, but I mean, you know what I mean by beastlies. Right. We want to hear from you. We want you to go on to your whatever platform it is that you're using to listen to us, mm-hmm. uh, leave us a like or leave us... A rating. A rating. A comment. Right. Something. And uh, reach out to us on our email if you got any comments or stories, like mm-hmm. she said. Uh, we'll be looking forward to that. And if you did not find this episode disturbing or it didn't make you want to go take a bath, mm. then you just might be criminally disturbed. Thank you for listening. Bye.